Ask. Attributes, skills, and knowledge. Brought to you by the PGAs of Europe. Okay, so here I am with Aaron Maxin in a cold Hungary. Aaron, please tell me, I'm interested to know a little bit about golf in Hungary, which we'll come to later, but first I would like to know how you got involved in golf in a country where the game really wasn't very popular at the time. So tell me, how did you start to play the game? Uh, that was uh, my friend. Uh, in my earlier years, when we were younger, I was uh, doing athletics, and one of my friends had just got uh, uh, into the national team, athletic national team, and uh, they were going to England uh, for a, uh, an athletic meeting. And when he came back from England, uh, for some reason he bought some golf clubs and balls. And he took it down um, to the athletic field where we were training. Uh, and uh, this is how it started. And we were trying to hit the ball uh, with, I, I think it was a seven iron and a pitching wedge. Uh, because all the, the athletic fields uh, in the middle there are um, football fields. So we were trying to hit the golf balls in the football field. And of course, it was, um, it was nothing that was really resembled golf. Uh, but this is how it all started. And at that time, uh, there was already one golf course in Hungary, not far from Budapest, about 50 kilometers uh, north of Budapest. It's called uh, Kisorossi Golf Club. Uh, this is what we call now the uh, old course in Hungary. It has a funny name, and uh, a, a little bit after this this trial, we went up to just check out that golf course, how we can play and how it would be possible to play. And of course, uh, there wasn't really anybody uh, who could teach us uh, in the golf course. There were some old people uh, who already played before the, the Second World War, and they already had, I mean, they still had the, the old equipment. Uh, the woods were woods. And uh, I think they had uh, pretty old golf bags. And uh, some of these old people showed us more or less how to hold the club, how to grip the club, what is a golf course. And uh, they were trying to introduce us to the game. And this is how it all started. And then we started to play, go out more and more, and we got a little more interested. So when was the actual first golf course in Hungary? The actual golf course, uh, it was uh, 1905 or 1906. It's currently in the area of the current Slovakia. It's called uh, Tatra Lomnitz. Uh, but also, not far from Budapest, there was a second golf course in the 1920s, uh, up in the Buda Hill, in the Buda side. Uh, that was a spectacular course, as I heard it. Uh, it was a nine-hole golf course, and some international tournaments were held on that golf course. Even Bobby Jones visited this one for a tournament, so it has some historical background and some stories. We also have... Uh, in the archive, some some black and white pictures of Bobby Jones hitting some balls up in the Buddha Hill uh, on this on this famous golf course. So after that, then everything stopped for a little while. 
Yes, exactly in 1950, uh, when the Communist Party took over in Hungary after the Second World War, uh, a ban was put on golf because the Communist Party leader at that time uh, and the Communist Party didn't like golf as a sport. They thought it's very dangerous because the golf is for the nobility, for the rich. Uh, and they saw it's a possible conspiracy against communism and their system. So that's why they, they literally de demolished uh, the golf courses in Hungary. And this is, it stopped. And uh, it came to life again in 1989-1990, uh, where the one I was speaking about uh, in the beginning, up in Kishorossi, was opened again. It's not again because that was the first time it was open. And that was the first golf course in Hungary. And then uh, very quickly after that, probably two or three years, another two golf courses were built. And going back to you, because you, you said that you were part of the athletics. So I assume that you did athletics before you started to play golf. Yes, uh, I started as a, as a skier, as an alpine skier. And then, uh, because Hungary is not a country for with snow and high mountains, uh, I guess that it's, uh, it's not a sport that where I can really succeed. So I switched to athletics uh, because, I mean, uh, it was an easier sport to do in Hungary than skiing. So I started uh, uh, at a very early age and uh, as like a hurdler. 110 meters hurdler and a long jumper and then after that I switched to decathlon and uh, I was doing decathlon very seriously and I was even in a member of the national team uh, I was Hungarian champion uh, two times I must admit uh, I got uh, the, the gold medal because the two best guys at the time of the Hungarian championships uh, they were in abroad competing. So actually I was never the best, but I was just lucky two times that they were not in the championships. Mm -hmm. But uh, I started and I have been doing uh, uh, decathlon for, for almost 20 years. So what was the transition like from something that is really active to a sport that seemingly is a lot less active? How long was that transition period for you from decathlon to golf? Actually, when I started, uh, when my first experiences came with, my, with, with that, that story, uh, I have been still involved in decathlon, and uh, the transition time was probably five, six, seven years. I haven't really thought about doing golf seriously at that time. It was, it was a second sport for me, as for also my friends, and they uh, uh, also the... Uh, the friends that they were doing athletics with me at that time, they still play golf as I, I do it now, uh, but they play just amateur golf. And uh, after a certain while, I really liked it. I liked it that much that I, I started to think about it as a, as a career option or, or a possibility. Was there a particular time, a particular moment, a particular shot that you hit that grabbed you, that took your attention, it got hold of you by the shirt and dragged you to the game? Not really. It was, for me, it was the environment 
and just uh, being out in the nature. This is what was really attracting me in golf first. And then uh, the second thing that was attracting me, since I was doing decathlon, I was doing so many things, discus throwing, pole vault, short put, long jump. And I was a type who learned movement or movements very quickly. And uh, then I met golf. And somehow it didn't happen. And I said, it's, it, it's not possible. Because I can basically do, I was self-confident that basically any movement that somebody is an expert showed me, I can copy and, and do it almost in no time, perfectly. And golf was different. And uh, that was challenging me. Were very challenging for me, and I think those two moments were the key points or the crucial points. Just being out in the nature, I really like the surrounding and the golf course or the layout, and found the movement very challenging. And where did you play and practice most often in those early years? We had one uh, driving range in Budapest that was just a driving range, probably it was in the second district. It was from the city center, it was 15 minutes drive. And the only golf course at that time, as I mentioned, it was up in, in Kishorossi, about 50 kilometers from the city. Those were the two places we could practice. But at the beginning, it was probably once a week or even once in two weeks. So it wasn't really a practice. It was just something like a leisure time. And we enjoyed it. At some point, you started to think about making a career in golf, and yet... Golf wasn't very popular in Hungary at the time, so what was it that made you want to become a golf professional? Uh, first, uh, my friend Laszlo uh, came back to Hungary, and he was already a golf professional. Uh, he had his PGA education done in Germany, and actually there was no golf coach in Hungary at that time. And I thought about it, I liked it so much, and also uh, it it wasn't a coincidence, but, but Laszlo came back to Hungary and uh, uh, he wanted to build up a, a school. And there was the time that I had, to made, uh, I had to make a decision if I want to do it or not. And uh, also he a little bit persuaded me to do it or try it as, as a profession, uh, not as a player, but as a coach, because I was at the age of uh, almost, I was... Uh, 28, 29 years old, so I was pretty much aware that as a player I would never succeed, but that wasn't really the plan, uh, and it was interesting for me uh, to learn like a new trade or a new skill, so that's why I started the, uh, as, a, as a golf professional. And can you tell me a little bit about your experience of developing the game in Hungary? Uh, it is... Uh, a little difficult, even more difficult than we thought in the beginning, because we had, or even the Federation uh, 20 or 25 years ago had a plan, had some visions, had some dreams uh, that golf will grow in Hungary just like alpine skiing or tennis, because they were a very good example. Many, many people play tennis. I mean, we had um, hardly any players in the 70s. And now we had hundreds of thousands of people playing tennis in Hungary. And also the same applies to skiing. Uh, for example, nobody skied 
as I said earlier, I used to start as a skier and as an alpine skier for some reason. I, my my father insisted me because uh, he liked it very much. Nobody skied in the 70s, and now even in the schools we have a ski break. Okay, highest mountain. I wouldn't call it a mountain. It's a hill. The highest hill in Hungary is a thousand and fourteen meters, and still official. A skiing break, skiing holiday in February, every Hungarian school. So skiing uh, and tennis uh, were two very good examples. And the leaders of the federation at that time, and also the investors, thought that golf will go through the same development so quickly. Uh, but it didn't happen for some reason. And, uh, but what did happen is uh, new courses were built all around Hungary and that was I mean that was a very important step in development uh, the second step is still uh, to be made we need to bring new players to those golf courses because we have enough but we don't have enough players why do you think it didn't progress like alpine skiing and tennis <clears throat> I think uh, Probably is golf is too far from us, and also the the people have have an image in their head that it's only for the rich or for the snobbish. Uh, of course, tennis is the same. So first, people thought the same about it. Also for skiing, it's it's also like sailing is the same, but sailing is also booming in Hungary. Uh, so I don't really know any good answer to that, that question. The sailing is not cheap. It's very, very expensive. It's Skis are not cheap. No. And so all the equipment that go around alpine skiing is not, not exactly cheap. No. So it seems like it's a, a misconception by the public. Yeah, that's, that's very much true. And uh, I don't know how much the media is responsible for this. Uh, or the American movies, or the the movies that people watch in even in the TV shows, uh, because probably all the, the shows, the the movies, the TV series where you see golf, it's always connected to the very rich people, uh, and also probably company leaders or politicians with nicely dressed uh, golf suit, white gloves, and that probably. Uh, just brings an image, or there's an image attached to this that now well, I'm um, I'm a a rich person, I'm the leader of a company or a, or a big company, and I play golf. Probably ski and tennis is not infected with this image that that much. This is my opinion about it. Yeah, I think you've got a good point there. <clears throat> you spent a good deal of time in university. And recently, I know you've been taking a PhD. How do you think that your training has prepared you for the job that you're now doing? I think it it does help me very much. I really like learning. So uh, the, uh, the way I think life or my life is uh, is is a never-ending learning. And I have an attitude that if I face a problem, uh, and uh, you know, many, many people say, oh yeah, I fail, I did this wrong, I did, that, that was wrong. I always say, it's a saying, uh, that I either win or learn. This is my attitude. So, 
probably it's reflected. I have uh, I went through two or three schools or universities in Hungary uh, because I'm a curious person. I like learning, uh, not in a way that I was taught in elementary school. Uh, I have my ways of learning, uh, and uh, I think it will until the end of my life. It it should not end, and this gives me a flexibility. Uh, and it gives me an attitude that um, I can handle multitasking, for example. And even even I have to see the big picture, I can see the big picture. And I have to handle details, I can handle the details. Tell me a little bit about the work that you do for the PGA of Hungary and also the work that you do for the Federation. So you do a lot of work for both organizations I would imagine that there's some crossover points which are useful, um, but tell me a little bit about the work that you do in both. Mm-hmm. I started to work for the PGA of Hungary and uh, with Laszlo, with uh, with the former president of the, the PGA. Uh, actually, we did the training, uh, also uh, the professional tournaments, and we really, I think, we really helped the uh, the golf profession or the professional golf. In Hungary, uh, we now we have uh, 35, 36 uh, PGA coaches, and I'm very proud of that because without our support or work, it uh, wouldn't have happened. Uh, and then I switched to the Golf Federation. Uh, I was uh, asked to be the Secretary General last year. And uh, I said yes, but uh, I still said that um, I have one, uh, just um, probably one question or one request. I want these two organizations work very closely together. Of course, I resigned as the Secretary General of the PGA and went to the Federation, but still I keep a close eye on the PGA because... Um, uh, as I see international examples, good and bad examples, uh, I would like to follow the good examples that these two organizations work very closely and friendly together. So might be I might be the connection or I might be the link uh, that this idea is fulfilled. Anything about Aaron that might surprise us? I don't think I'm... I'm something like uh, a person who is surprising the... Uh, the surrounding or or the people around me or around us. So I'm, uh, I think about myself as a normal person, but I still think about uh, myself as a leader. Uh, I don't want to lead people, but always I'm in a position, find myself in positions where I have to lead people. Uh, And I think I have, uh, as I said earlier, probably I sound a little bit um, too optimistic or self-confident. Uh, I have the courage to lead the people and now because I have experience enough. Uh, and uh, I have the courage and I have the knowledge now. I'm almost 50 years of age, so uh, I think I'm brave enough to do that. And do you enjoy that leadership role? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And... Uh, the only reason I enjoy this, it's very, it's something that goes back to teaching. 
Uh, I'm coming from a family where my my father, my grandfather, they were professors and teachers. Um, so I'm coming from a family where lots of of, of teachers still they still alive and they still active at universities. Uh, they are my role models, and uh, they they like teaching, and I like teaching as well. And leadership for me is something that I can help people with. Uh, it's um, I'm not preaching to people, but I'm I'm trying to lead and show the way in so, sort of a teaching. But I always approach the people I lead as a teacher, not as a leader or something like a company director. So my approach is always something like a teacher's approach or a okay. coach approach. Tell me, this will be a difficult question for you, but <clears throat> if you could have just a one-hour masterclass in any subject. What topic would you choose? Who would be the teacher? And why? Uh, I would choose two topics. Uh, One topic is connected to um, my university studies. It's management and decision making. Uh, This is what I was uh, going in um, a little bit more detail when I was at university is still an area very interesting for me, but I cannot name any any teacher. I know many, many names, many, many experts, so, uh, but I haven't met any personally. So any of those, those guys would be nice to hear for a masterclass. Okay. And secondly, it's golf, because let's say this, this is a profession and this is a love that, uh, that you do. And uh, probably... Probably, I would really love to just watch or just observe a lesson um, for the best players, coaches. Just let's say, it could be Tiger Woods, or Tiger Woods, it could be Rory McIlroy, whoever, or Dustin Johnson, and just sit there and watch probably one hour or two hours how he works with his coach. That would be an experience for me. Let's just say that magically, the the golfing genie has come down and granted you three wishes. Uh, what would your wish be, or your three wishes be, relating to golf in Hungary? Uh, first, we of course, first wish would be uh, a lot more players. Second wish would be a lot more golf courses. And the third, which is unrealistic, but a better climate. <laughs> I have noticed the snows out there. I have noticed that. Winter has arrived, for yeah. sure. Is there, uh, just a final question, mm-hmm. is there any message that you'd like to pass on to new golfers that are taking up the game in Hungary? Yes, definitely. Is uh, Don't be afraid. Golf is not a game for the rich. It's, it's a game for the everyday people. And it's very entertaining. Uh, and very helpful and very, very healthy. So just come and play and try. Thank you very much for your time, Aaron. The most appreciated. Yes, thank you for the interview. I thank appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this audio article from Ask. Attributes, skills and knowledge. Brought to you by the PGAs of Europe. For more features and articles from Ask, visit www.pgae.com forward slash ASK.